Hi, I'm K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbook Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the comics writer and creator of the Mara comic series from Stuffed Rock Studio, Dylan Goss, here to promote the comic's upcoming Kickstarter on May 27th. Welcome, Dylan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, thank you for reaching out and joining us today. But uh, outside my introduction, who is Dylan Goss in his own words? Who's Dylan Goss in his own words? Well, I'm a uh, fantasy writer, always have been, uh, for as long as I've been able to write, honestly, uh, wherever I bounced around the world. You know, I was born in Southern Illinois and moved to Belize when I was pretty young. And um, from there, I, uh, I met my wife in college and she's from Taiwan and that's where we are now. And this whole time I have been writing, you know. Um, I didn't get my book deal when I was four, unfortunately, but here I am now with a comic and it's, it's pretty much the same fare. I just like to think that I've gotten a little bit better at it over the years. Uh huh. So what is Mara about? Mara is a story about scarcity and it's focused a lot on whether or not life is more valuable than quality of life that's the uh central debate uh in the mid to late end of the first uh issue and that comes up again repeatedly um more on the surface we have a world that has been ravaged by a war between gods and water is scarce the land doesn't grow a whole lot and people are fighting each other for what little resources they have. Well, can you, I guess, just elaborate a little more on the creative process on Mara as a whole? So you got this idea in your head, and then you start working on it as a complete work, at least, I guess, outlining it, what you want for each issue, and then finding your collaborators to now promoting the first, and I believe there's a second issue on the way as well. Right, well, just finding my way into comics uh, was probably a lifelong, yeah, it was a lifelong journey for me, actually, because I started um, just writing uh, narratives and novels, because that's what you can do by yourself pretty easily. Uh, so, some people can draw, and that's how they express themselves creatively. I cannot. So comics, despite growing up reading them, it was never really obvious for me to get into them. Um, and I, when I was younger, I didn't have the idea that I could collaborate with people. I uh, had the thought that if I'm doing something, I have to be the only one doing it. Well, uh, I'm glad I grew out of that because that's that limits you far too much. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I'm a software engineer by trade. So my first thought was to tell stories through a video game development. But uh, the problem there was I just wanted to tell a story. And that's not what makes a game great. A great game can have a great story. But if you're just leading the player by the nose, that's not a very good game. And for, for various other reasons, that project never worked out. I wasn't a very good project manager at the time. I didn't know what I was doing in other ways. So the video game never got off the ground. And it's probably for the best because it allowed me to re-examine my priorities.
priorities when it came to storytelling. And uh, what eventually clicked for me was uh, I was in the theater with my wife watching Logan. And uh, Daphne Keene comes on screen for the first time, that first fight scene. And that really stuck with me. That, uh, that got the gears turning and I, um, I immediately realized I had to do something with this inspiration. So I went back to, uh, to the start, you know, I, I've had, uh, I've had comics since I was very, very young and, uh, well, X-Men were a big part of that. And it occurred to me that, you know, this industry that has given me so much, and I am including manga in this because it's just two sides of the same coin. This industry that has given me so much, it's, it's time to give something back. And uh, now that I've realized that, I'm in a good position to do so. Now, for finding collaborators, uh, as a software engineer, you're going to have artists and designers in your contact list. Especially, I was doing freelancing for a while. So I uh, contacted someone I knew who also drew comics, and she said, well, uh, I don't do fantasy. I only do sci-fi. But I can ask a few of my friends. Now, she really downplayed what she was about to do for me. Um, she put out an ad with her art school contacts, and I had 15 people in my inbox that night. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was... Uh, that, that was an outstanding move on her part that really helped me a lot. And uh, none of these people were bad, but I had to eliminate 14 of them. I could hire 15 artists. And uh, when I made a short list of three people, including Rosie, of course, I uh, gave each of them a commission to draw Mara in their own style based on uh, the parameters I'd given. You know, they had the script for chapter one and they had their conversations with me about the world and the tribe. So I wanted to see what they did with that information. And as far as what they did with the information, I really just was most excited to see what Rosie came up with in the future. So I knew I had to go that route because if I'm most excited about it, then I believe other people are going to be as well. So that's, uh, that's when I settled on an artist in uh, in December of 2020, and um, we had a lot of conversations about the world, uh, uh, the, about the spirit realm, as well, and the various characters and their motivations, so that she could understand better what I want from her. And we also had multiple takes on the script format itself because while you have companies like Marvel that use the Marvel method, and that's generally well-regarded as one of, if not the best method of uh, comic script writing, it's not necessarily the best for your group, for your team. And you have to do what's best for your team. So we didn't end up going with uh, that method. We ended up going with something that looked an awful lot like a narrative writing that just focused on the visual. Uh, if you wanted to describe a sound or a smell, you would have to describe characters' reactions to it rather than 
the sound or smell itself. And uh, it also contained a lot of visual references. Uh, some panels and some pages are more clearly laid out than others because I didn't feel the need to really police that and she didn't want me to police that. Uh, and I think finding that balance has worked out great for both of us. And, um, you know, giving her more creative control, I didn't lose anything. She never took anything away from uh, what I what I saw in my head when I was doing the script. She only added to it. So that uh, that level of control versus freedom has worked well for both of us. And uh, if you saw the script, you probably wouldn't recognize it as a script. But I think it's much more important for the people who are working on it to be able to recognize it as such. So that's uh, that's where we are now with it. We had a roundabout way of getting there, but we got there and we're doing it. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier about, I guess, when you first started um, actually pursuing comics professionally, or at least publishing, putting it out there for everyone to see, um, that I guess it was difficult for you um, as far as maybe reaching out to people or not just like coming to terms with the fact that you're going to have to at some point, like you can't do everything yourself. So was that from like maybe fear of maybe people won't understand your work or, you know, having to relinquish control? Like how, how was that, I guess, uh, realization for you? So how did like, why did you feel that way? And then how did you come to terms with, okay, I'm going to have to reach out to people and see what they think or if they can we can work together on or I could say collaborating on this project that is really important to me. Uh, it's uh, it's less about seeing uh, or perceiving weakness in other people and uh, it's it's definitely all internalized. See I have Asperger's syndrome and it's something that I have struggled with my whole life. So reaching out to people as a general thing is you know, it's something I've worked on more, and uh, getting that diagnosis definitely helped a lot. You know, when I was growing up, uh, I just didn't know what was going on at all. And um, because back then, we just didn't really diagnose kids who weren't profoundly mentally disabled with autism. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, the weird kid. Uh, the weird kid in your school probably was autistic, right? And uh, yeah, so I've just always had that um, that difficulty with reaching out to people. But um, it occurred to me, you know, after after that realization that it wasn't just something I would have to uh, surrender to. It was now that I understood it, it was something that I could work with and work around and work through. Um, so you, uh, you have the things you want to get done and you have the obstacles there and you eventually realize you just have to go through it. Mm -hmm. So 
how difficult was world building for Mara? Like, how did you manage to create this world um, that is totally your own and integrate your influences wherever they may be into Mara, like Mara's universe, but maintain that Mara is yours in your world and not someone else's? I certainly had uh, influences of real-life influences and fictional influences. The world itself draws from the D&D setting of Dark Sun. The, uh, of course, Dark Sun, I would classify as being quite a lot worse. Uh, you know, the, the gods are dead, everything is bad. Um, we're not quite there with Mara's world, but it has some notable influences, like a largely arid environment, a, uh, a metal scarcity. Uh, Mara herself and her tribe, uh, her tribe is based on the real life Inuit and Viking people. And what I wanted to do there was because both of these, uh, th these are cold weather people. And uh, Mara's world is very much not that. And what I wanted to do is interpret them as a warmer weather tribe because her tribe actually used to be a cold weather tribe for the uh, war between the gods set the sky on fire. So there was there was no more winter. Uh, it was it destroyed the day-night cycle. It uh, created an ecological disaster, unprecedented scale. And uh, her tribe being cold weather meant that they had the only river around by the end. So this was a, a huge change for them and they had to very quickly adapt to it. And that, that was the idea behind their tribe. Mara herself, I mentioned Daphne Keene's performance and I think that uh, Mara kind of coming to terms with her uh, humanity and her animal side is something that um, is being expressed this way largely because of that influence. We probably would not have Mara in this form if not for Daphne King's performance. Okay, so of, I guess, of everything that you've learned, you picked up along the way, I guess that you're still learning now, what advice would you offer to other creators you wish someone would have told you when you first got started? No one person is going to have all the answers for you. Uh, it's going to involve a lot of research on your part, and I know nobody wants to hear just Google it, but I'm sorry you're going to have to. Right? You, are, you are going to have to do a lot of research, and there are some good resources you can start with. Uh, one, uh, one writer I look up to in the industry, uh, Jim Zub, has a as a Tumblr blog with a lot of information for aspiring comic writers. And um, you're not going to use all of it just because there's so much of it. But even he doesn't have all the answers. You know, he's, uh, he's a great guy and he is very, very helpful. And if you, you message him on Twitter right now, his DMs are open. He will try and help you. Uh, but he's not going to have all the answers for you. It's a good starting point. See other people's, uh, you know, see other people's inspirations, see other people's 
experiences and other people's uh, advice as well. And some of it's going to be outdated by the time you read it. You know, the, the internet moves very, very quickly and advice from even four or five years ago is probably obsolete in a lot of ways. Some of it's going to be applicable, some of it not. And it's going to be up to you to figure that out. So throughout this whole process, did you or maybe currently um, ever get overwhelmed? Like, did it ever or does it ever become too much? Like, how do you typically manage your well-being? Because I know, like, with familial relationships and your friends and then work and then other things you have to do outside of comics, and then you have to go back into this project, That's it's more than just a passion project. So... How do you manage your mental well-being while trying to balance all everything? Well, the important thing to do is to identify your least favorite part of the project. Uh, you're still going to have to do it, but you do need to be aware of it. And for me, that is the social media. I'm just not good at it, uh, but it is my responsibility still. So uh, in order to kind of uh, put, put it in a little box, you know, so it doesn't overwhelm you. You have to come up with a plan for it. And that's, that's what worked for me. I have, a, I have a plan, I have a schedule for how I handle Twitter, for how I handle uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram as well. So you come up with, the, with your schedule for how you're going to do your least favorite part. And you make sure that you, you do what you need to do, but that it doesn't overwhelm you because you've already decided how you're going to deal with it. And, uh, you know, the, the, so, the social media side of it, the marketing side of it, every uh, creator has to deal with it. And a lot of creators will tell you it's their least favorite part of it because probably because they didn't realize they were signing up for that when they got started, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if uh, you build it and they will come, it's not true. It, it just doesn't work that way. You know, there's so much out there that you have to reach people and make them realize that this is something they're going to like. No matter how good your comic or whatever you're creating is, if nobody sees it, then it's not really doing anybody much good. So. If, uh, if like me, your least favorite part is the, uh, is the marketing of your, of your work, just realize that it doesn't have to be constant. You don't have to be at your phone or your computer all the time telling people, hey, come look at my work. Because if you let it, it will become that. Okay, well, my last question for you, Dylan, is... What is your idea of success? So I ask that because as creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures or we'll consider ourselves failures. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on a back burner or give them up altogether because this career path can be highly competitive and intimidating. So what is your idea of quote-unquote success? I've been uh, funding Mara from the start. Um, it's currently not 
actually profitable, but for me, that's okay. Um, I'm doing this because I'm doing something I love. And uh, in that regard, success would be to just bring it in front of as many people as I possibly can. Now, would I like to make money off of it? Sure, absolutely. Uh, that money would probably go back into making more comics. Would I like to be able to do this as my full-time job? Well, that sounds great, and I would like to work towards that. But if I put that as a requirement right now, then I will definitely consider myself a failure because you're you're rushing yourself to this goal, you know. And um, for me, it's a it's a very stark career change. There aren't a whole lot of uh, cross applicable skills between software engineering and comic writing. Mm -hmm. And I uh, I don't have the portfolio of uh, comics that I do in software. And um, if I do get to that point professionally in writing that it can take over my, my full-time job, it's going to be a number of years from now. And I think accepting the reality of your situation is helpful because otherwise you're going to imagine a much worse situation than you're actually in. If you think, oh, I need to uh, start doing uh, my, my drawing, my commissions, and I need that to become my full-time job right away, it's very unlikely to actually work out that way unless you are not only an amazing artist, but also an amazing marketer. Um, so you have to set uh, more manageable goals for yourself in order to be successful and hit those goals. And then you can work towards your bigger goal and become a bigger success in your own mind, because that's where it matters, right? What your, your perception of yourself is going to drive how you carry yourself going forward and it's going to determine whether or not you continue to be a creator if you have decided you're a failure then you're probably not going to be a creator but maybe you're not as big a failure as you thought maybe you just need to take smaller steps to get there mm -hmm. well is there anything else that you want to touch on about Mara as a whole that we may have missed, um, maybe discuss rewards for potential backers for the Kickstarter that um, launches on May 27th? Sure. Uh, one thing about the comic in general, um, if you are getting into comics, hire a Portuguese translator because Brazilian comic fans are some of the most passionate comic fans you'll ever see. And uh, it, it, they, they would just love to see it. even if even if they speak English perfectly, they would love to see it in Portuguese and that will um, that will definitely give you a boost. I would say about half of the people following my uh, my Facebook are from Brazil. Uh, as far as the Kickstarter goes, we besides of course the physical comic itself, we've got a variant cover as well. Um, we have a guest artist who did a few things that uh, 
I think people are going to like. Uh, she did a couple of postcards and a sticker. Uh, but the one uh, reward I'm most looking forward to personally is we're going to have a, a Mars axe on a keychain. It's, it's, it's an acrylic keychain uh, with, with, with a design, a custom design from Rosie in there. Uh, also because the comic is popular with the tabletop RPG crowd, there's a, there's a Mara mini you can get as an add-on. So if you want to, if you, if you want to uh, paint that up, if you're a mini painter like I am, uh, or you want to use that as a uh, character reference in your next game, then maybe, uh, maybe you want to grab a mini while you're at it. Mm -hmm. Um, what was the question I wanted to ask? Um, the Brazilian fans that you have on your various social media accounts, um, I guess like, is it more, was that more of like an organic following or, uh, because they're big comic book fans or is it had anything to do with the fact that, you know, you had lived in, well, Belize is not. Belize is in is is in Central America, but uh -huh. uh, it's uh, it borders Mexico, Guatemala, and Honduras. Okay, and so, so yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. even a. I don't think they speak Portuguese there. But no, yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. Portuguese there. But uh, what happened was um, this this whole thing happened. It wasn't part of my plan to ever have any translations when I started, um, but one of my friends approached me while I was working on it and said, hey, uh, I know someone who wants to get into comics and they're a, they're a Spanish translator and wanted to know if you wanted to have the comic in Spanish. And I said, well, honestly, I hadn't thought about it, but if, uh, if he wants to, if he wants to do that, then that sounds like a way to reach more people and I'm all about it. Mm -hmm. uh, that particular translator didn't work out, but um, I had the idea at that point, and uh, that's when Rosie said I'd like to do the Chinese translation as well. So uh, I hired a different Spanish translator, and while I was uh, while I was posting about this, someone from a Facebook group said, "Hey." If you're doing translations, do you want a Portuguese translator as well? And uh, at that point, I was just like, yeah, sure, why not? But, you know, uh, what harm could it possibly do? And it definitely didn't do any harm when people realized there was a, it was a Portuguese translation. It, um, it very suddenly became popular in Brazil, and I was not prepared for that. I had no background knowledge that uh, Brazilian comic fans were that excited but they yeah, are i've never heard of that either so i thought it was very interesting that you have this huge portuguese following and another question about that even though you have um the written translation with the different languages has there ever been an issue with translating or um i guess cultural differences with the comic itself as far as the content like has there ever been issues like maybe oh this doesn't make sense to us because we're this is where we're from in our culture, or 
um, you should add this or do that. Has, like, so has there ever been any type of conflict or issue with that? Yeah, um, well, the major sticking point for uh, all of the translations has been uh, Amaru, his name in particular, uh, because it is a it is a Inatur word, and it just means wolf. But um, the the reason behind that is uh, as her tribe changed, they had to adapt to the local common language, and they lost their original language. So in their old writings, they mistook uh, that for his name. And because he's a spirit, if his followers call him that, that actually becomes his name. So um, in order to translate that, a, a lot of them just had to go, go through it phonetically. Uh, but the other part was that he always calls Mara pup. And they had to clarify what, what that meant because the, the direct translation didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, so they, and they ended up, I guess you would say localizing that once they understood what I actually meant. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, then there's of course the, uh, difference between formal and informal language, uh, being different in different languages. So, uh, yeah, there has been a little bit of issues there, but uh, at the moment, I think we've worked everything out. Most of the issues came up in chapter one when everybody was just getting used to working with it. But I think we have, I, I think we have the gears turning smoothly at this point. All right. Well, again, I want to thank comics writer and creator of the Mara comic series from Stuffed Rock Studio Dylan Goss here to promote the comics upcoming Kickstarter launching on May 27th. I highly recommend our listeners to consider giving the Kickstarter a look, share, or back if they can. All of Dylan's socials and Kickstarter will be listed in this episode's details for those who are interested. Again, I am KS Garner, and you have been listening to the Solo Nervous Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me.